You're listening to Sibling Talk with Mary Jo Tumare and John Paulette. Commentary from a progressive point of view. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, uh, I've been thinking about this all day. We've got a guy who's a senator from Arkansas. This is not a stupid guy. He went to Harvard. Uh, He was uh, the editor, I think, of the Crimson there. He went into the military. He was actually offered uh, to go into the JAG Corps, uh, be an attorney there. He refused, and he went into uh, the infantry, and he insisted on that. So this is not just anybody on the right wing. And yet he wrote, uh, what adjective should we give to it? An inflammatory authoritarian uh, opinion piece in the New York Times. Uh, The headline, I know writers don't write the headlines because that's happened to me, but the headline is send in the troops, the nation must restore order, the military stands ready. What do you think about this? Well, I have been thinking about it and um, the last couple of days, because was it yesterday that was published or the day before? It's published on the third, so two days ago. Okay. I, these weeks run together in the week. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's so much news you kind of forget when it happened. So, I mean, part of the controversy about it has been whether the Times should have published it. And I was told today that they solicited the editorial from him because he had tweeted, you know, these uh, uh, thoughts, his opinions, and they wanted him to defend those opinions because there's been a lot of discussion, like, why would the Times do that? But on the other hand, I think the complicated thing for us as people who believe in the First Amendment and believe that from many voices come, you know, better decision-making and all ideas must flourish, is I don't want the Times to become a paper that Trump thinks it is that's only liberal. I count on the Times to give different points of view. So I wasn't as upset as some of the (laughs) Times reporters were that they published that. I wasn't either. I didn't know if you and I were going to disagree on this uh, today, and and we don't. Uh, Maybe I'm left over from being in the high school debate club. It feels to me, even ideas that that I find very difficult to understand, perhaps despicable, that a paper of the Statute of the Times should be the forum for that, that it should go on. So I'm coming down on one side of saying, yes, the Times should, they did the right thing and they published it. Are you that strong or? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing though that we have to think about or be honest about is, you know, the kind of the, how do you call that? Um, the, The risk of tolerance which is something that Democrats always do. Well, every opinion is valid and everyone has the right to their opinion. 
it's true. Everyone has the right to their opinion. But if what it's girded on or under, whatever the expression is, is either not factual or dangerous, then should the Times, you know, the most respected paper in the country, give a platform to those opinions? So I think that's something. And, you know, that I'm not one to think that I know better than the editorial board of the Times, because you can imagine how... Listen, I wish I had been there for the discussion about whether you publish um, Tom Cotton's editorial piece. Had to be a very fascinating conversation because if it's inflammatory and incendiary, then that's problematic. My problem with saying they shouldn't publish it is, is it really that inflammatory? Most people that read the Times are like, "Mm, whatever. Who re- it, who reads Tom Cotton's editorial in the Times is like, that's right. Let's get out there and kill the protesters. I don't think yeah. that's happening. No, but you bring up something, uh, and boy, I hope I'm going to attribute this uh, this right. Sometimes my memory goes wrong. There's a philosopher by the name of Karl Popper, and Popper's important important philosopher uh, in the middle of the 20th century, and Popper. Ooh, when 1940s, somewhere in there, posed what he called the paradox of tolerance. And essentially, paradox of tolerance is that if you choose to be tolerant, if a society chooses to be tolerant without limit, its ability to be tolerant will eventually be destroyed. Hey, that's roughly Popper's view. And he really finds a source for that in uh, Aristotle and within the idea of the benevolent dis- despot. And I, I won't tie our time up in that. But it, but that's what you're saying, right? Is the paradox of, is, of tolerance. And it's funny because the thing that I think most liberals are accused of is being tolerant of every viewpoint, every lifestyle except conservative viewpoints and conservative lifestyle. So that's maybe what we um, simplify is the culture wars. So we're tolerant. I'm going to use this example of the LGBTQ, that lifestyle. We're like live and let live. You have racially mixed couples to get married. We're like live and let live. Who cares? Um, You want to have an abortion. That's your choice. But when someone takes the opposite position to that, in other words, abortion is murder, and I don't think the state should sanction murder, then we are not tolerant of that. I'm just giving another viewpoint on, hello, Saul or Alice, another viewpoint of how that looks from the conservative point of view, because... And then back to how you described that, the, philosoph- the philosophical thing uh, is, will we get, will our tolerance itself, because we're tolerant of all those viewpoints, be the thing that eats us alive? Well, and I think the examples you're giving go to that. If our position, our worldview, is that tolerance is to be encouraged, and as you mentioned, we seem to be tolerant of everything except the right-wing views. 
But if the right wing views, this simplifies it, but if the right wing view is we should not be tolerant of anything, nothing should be accepted except our point of view, which essentially say we shouldn't be tolerant, then that is the paradox of, of tolerance. If, if we say we progressive end, all people should be welcomed into society. And the other side said, this society belongs to white Christians. And I'm not being crazy here because people are saying that, then that's not really, it's not a moral equivalence and it's not a real di discussion. And I think that statement, that kind of statement of it belongs to white Christians, that's the moment that we destroy the society and destroy the ability for tolerance. So I, th I think the danger is real and not just a one of us being closed-minded liberals. So it's interesting. One of the things that has struck me over the last few years, although I do think this started before Trump, and it's, I don't know if you ever see these signs in people's yards that support religious freedom. Right. But on its face, that's like, yeah, who doesn't support religious freedom? It's, you know part of the Constitution of the United States, and we all believe that. But support religious freedom for the folks that are putting those signs out doesn't mean support religious freedom. It means that non-Christian values are being imposed on people. In other words, I don't want to make a cake for a gay couple because I don't believe in gay marriage. Right. Or I don't want to pay taxes to a government that would allow abortion you know so it's it's all the issues wrapped up into one it's not like jews can practice muslims can practice christians it doesn't mean that you know, no. it's code for we're being forced to live in a society that is against the values the religious values we believe in so it's a great point that you're making and um I'm not really sure what the answer to that is because going back to the, the uh, Tom Cotton thing where, where Trump is and all this on the protesters is I've thought for a long time that we got to where we are with Trump because you have a percentage of our population and it's a dwindling percentage who are afraid of what they're losing. So the more diverse we become in terms of color, the more diverse we become in terms of tolerance of sexual, um, you know, gender preference, all those issues, the less one certain kind of male or white, not just male, but white voter has the privilege to, has the right to, has the entitlement to. So it sometimes feels to me that Trump and the Trump world is like the last gasp of that. Maybe, it is. Maybe in an inevitable last gasp in response to Obama. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I, without complicating this too much more, you know, I teach a course in moral and ethical philosophy and, and theology. And the first question I ask the kids at the beginning is not, what is right and what is wrong, which is what they expect. You know, give me a list of what's right and wrong. My question is, why 
being moral. If you're going to tell me this is right or this is wrong, why? Why is it moral? And for generation, uh, centuries of people, the answer to why is it right or wrong was God said it was right or wrong. In philosophy, we call it divine command theory. Rightness or wrongness is established by God. There's a fair amount, I mean, fair amount, I'm not going to say of the country, but that Christian right group, the same as uh, extremists in Israel, extremists among Arab, are saying we are right because God has given us that, that message. Move to the rest of us, maybe for more progressive, moderate parts, and we give different answers. And we say it is right if it is just. It is right if it serves common good. It is right uh, if it serves individual rights that are, are given to us. And when you have that kind of conflict between why is it right? I, I don't think either side has any idea what the other group people are saying. A, they even know what they're talking about. That's a great point, And that's the point of not listening to each other. But, you know, you have, you reminded me of something when you said that, because today all the uh, military folks have come out about what the retired military, why they are not, um, why they're upset about what Trump did. And they all said, and it wasn't moral. And I kept yes. thinking about that. Would I have said that that was not moral? I would have said it's against the Constitution because you can't use the military to stop peaceful protests, which we have the right to do under the Constitution. But I was really struggling, with, and maybe we don't really have time for this today, but it's something to think about and maybe talk about later is the morality of closing down peaceful protests. Because yes. that's not a universal, that's a very American construct. Mm -hmm. But in military training, they must be taught that as a, an issue of morality. And I find that fascinating. Yeah. I have to tag on one thing as we leave. Uh, just, you know, I like little bits of history that lead up to this. Uh, and I was thinking about, you know, Tom Cotton and the Times and everything. I don't know if you remember, the New York Times is how Tom Cotton initially came to public view. In 2006, he was a soldier. I'm not certain. I think he was in Iraq. Maybe he was in uh, Afghanistan, but he was in, in that area. And he wrote a letter to the New York Times uh, in which he claimed that uh, journalists were actually committing espionage, uh, they were giving out classified uh, government programs. The Times refused to print it, and it ended up in kind of a right-wing journal. And so he became kind of a conservative darling because he was the guy that blew the uh, whistle on the journalist, and the Times tried to shut him oh, up. I did not know that. Mm. And I wonder sometimes... If the times, you know, institutional memories are long, if they never want to be in the spot of trying to silence Tom Cotton again. Interesting. There's some speculation for you. Uh, last thing, and we have to go. Uh, for those who are not our very regular listeners, 
uh, when Mary Jo said before, hello, Saul and Alice, those are my two chihuahuas, <laughs> who I thought, I thought I had perfectly quiet, but they saw what they believed to be a terrorist walking down my street in Oak Park. And so they erupted in a little barking. And we, we apologize for those poor production values. Yeah, but we do count on Saul and Alice to save us. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> They're back asleep right now. All right, Mary. It was a great talk. Thanks uh -huh. so much. Bye.